You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly, has Watson, he's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown! That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver's career for Christian Watson. You can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. And on today's show, we're going to cover a lot of ground, guys. We're going to cover Mark Murphy's comments on Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers' tweet he sent out, a response to Mitchell Schwartz. We're also going to uh, cover just kind of an exchange that some of the guys had about this in, in a Discord chat. And then also... We're going to hit on the cornerback cap hits. What do I mean by that? We're going to look at the cornerback room the same way we did edge, the same way we did defensive line, the same way we did wide receiver, tight end, all those positions, right? And we're going to kind of go through and talk about the cap hits for 2023 and see if there's anything in the cornerback room that we can adjust contract-wise with restructures to free up more cap room like we've been doing here in the past. You know, we just got through with the edge position and talked about how you could adjust Preston Smith's contract to touch and give him a little bit of guaranteed money and also free up cap room this year by restructuring, you know, taking the the uh, the roster bonus and the base salary and converting that to signing bonus. And that's kind of been the, the restructure template up to this point for the NFL. Could change, might stay the same, who knows. But right now that's the game we're all playing with cash over cap. So we're going to talk about the cornerback room and, and talk about some potential room that can be freed up. The, the reason I'm doing this exercise, guys, is because there's been so many people say they're tapped out, there's nothing they can do, blah, blah, blah. The same stuff they said four years ago, right? That we went all in and it didn't work, and oh, well, now you got now the bill is due, right? We keep hearing this over and over and over. My goal is to tell the other side of the story. You know, it, it would be boring in my opinion, but I could pile on like the masses and just say, hey, look, this didn't work. The windows closed. The doors closed. We gotta, we gotta move on. We gotta rip the band. That's the corner that cracks me. We gotta rip the band-aid off. What does that mean? And I had a guy explain to me that you gotta rip the band-aid off because you can't re if you restructure uh Bakhtiari's contract, that's a $28 million cap hit. And I'm going, you have no clue what you're talking about, Bub. I don't know how else to say it. Like, no, it wouldn't be a $28 million cap hit to restructure his contract. You're actually moving cap back a bit, like. Never mind. <clears throat> I'm trying not to be rude or, or anything like that because everybody understands it at a different level. And I, I still don't completely understand it. I learn something every single day. Right. And I'm really focusing on sports agencies. I'm focusing on uh, Andrew Brandt, understanding cash over cap and, and other resources we have in different websites to kind of go through and understand exactly how everything lays out. And it's funny that the numbers came out exactly the way Spotrack predicted them as far as simple restructures and maximum restructures. You know, by the time we get done today, we're going to be right there at that 40 million mark. We're actually going to be around 36. And I've been very conservative. So it wasn't even that full 40 million dollar, quote unquote, simple restructure. Right. 
and the maximum restructure was somewhere between 70 and 80 million, meaning they could free up that much cap room as a maximum. Hey, look, we're going all in and, and, and moving everything around that we possibly can to free up cap room to win in this window right now. Okay. Um, so I'm keeping the conservative number very conservative, right? Just to show how we can get under the cap. Um, so people aren't surprised like they were last year. If you guys remember last year, we were, guys, we were up the crap creek without a paddle, right? If you guys remember, it was, what are we going to do? They've ruined this team. They've ruined this organization. And then lo and behold, two or three roster moves, you know, two or three simple restructures, and bang, we're under the cap by the deadline. Everybody was like, Ugh. And, and the doom and gloomers move on to next year. Well, all they did was kicked it down the road. Okay, got it. <laughs> so we're going to lay this out. And I didn't do middle linebacker because when I combed through the middle linebacker position, there wasn't anything there to really be restructured, okay? There wasn't anything that was going to be like, uh, you know, uh, that's going to make a lot of sense, if you will. Um, you could have freed up $1 or $2 million with the middle linebacker position. Um, and really what it tells me is they like what they have at the middle linebacker position right now. They like Devondre Campbell for the next two to four years, okay? And they obviously like Quay Walker spending that high first-round pick uh, on him. They expect him to develop. Now, you've got um, – obviously, you've got, uh, gosh, McDuffie, right, in the backup role. So you got one spot you need to fill there. You really do, um, in my opinion. Carrying four inside linebackers would be smart. Um, you definitely don't want to carry only three. I think five is a little excessive. It just depends on is that fifth linebacker a special teams ace, someone who can really contribute on special teams. And if he is, then absolutely it's worth it over an extra safety or worth it over an extra corner because you want to bolster all three aspects of the game, offense, defense, and especially special teams, seeing that that's what really has cost us uh, the last few years until uh, this most recent year here where we kind of stabilize that with Rich Passaccia. And it's looking better and better every day that Rich Passaccia is going to be in Green Bay, which is great. Um, Ryan did a great job outlining the, the new hire there with Greg Williams coming in as the DB coach. I responded exactly the same way as, as Ryan did when I heard Greg Williams. I actually got excited. I know a lot of people are turned off by Greg Williams, but he's he's been successful, somewhat successful throughout his career. He's just a hothead, and he really would shake up the culture here. Oh, my God, especially with how lovey-dovey the coaching staff is in Green Bay to have that guy come in and <laughs> it would, I don't think it would have jailed well, but when I first heard Greg Williams, just like Ryan, I immediately thought of Bounty Gate. I thought of that coach and it wasn't him. So bringing him in from the Cardinals, I, I read it the same way um, when Ryan got through, it's like, man, why well, they see something there, I guess, but the, the statistics don't really show up, don't really match up. You know, as far as PFF grades for, like he had mentioned, Patrick Peterson when uh, when he was there with that DB coach. So we'll see, man. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it works out, right? Hopefully we look back and go, wow, that was a great hire. Um, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand coaching evaluation, you know, more than the Green Bay Packers front office and their, uh, you know, coaching leadership there in Matt LaFleur. But so we're going to talk about all that. We're going to cover it now, guys. It's going to get a little bit. A little bit off the beaten path here on this first part. And I thought about doing the cornerback cap hits first. So if you don't want to hear this first part, you can fast forward to the second half of the podcast and get the cornerback cap hit numbers. But I'm going to do it in the order in which I've got everything organized. And we're going to talk about Mark Murphy's comments about Aaron Rodgers. And then we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers um, sending a tweet response out to Mitchell Schwartz. And then we're going to dive into this whole mental health thing. Because I didn't respond very deeply immediately. When something triggers me, when something makes me 
I guess angry is the right word. It irritates me. My rule of thumb is sleep on it. Don't react right away, right? Because I'm, you know, I'm an Irish, you know, I'm of Irish descent. I, I grew up in, you know, Harlan County, Kentucky. I'm, I'm a bit of a hothead. I know that. I understand that. So I really like to let things bounce around a bit before I comment on them. I try to. And here we are a couple of days later, and it's like, you know what? Yeah, I think it's time. Let's talk about it. Because this is stuff that personally impacts me. It does. Okay. When I say personally impacts me, I have a family member that deals with PTSD. I have friends that have dealt with PTSD. Three different people that I know who were recommended um, isolation therapy, which we'll talk about here in a second. But let's just kind of dive into it. Let's start off with Mark Murphy's comments. What did Mark Murphy say about Aaron Rodgers? I wanted to play the audio clip. The reason I like to play the video and the audio clip is because it gives you the full context, voice inflection, all of those things that are really, really important when it comes to quoting somebody, right? But the audio quality is so bad here by ESPN. And, and Diana Diana Rossini is the one interviewing uh, Packers president Mark Murphy. And he asked, she asked about Rodgers. But the quality is so bad, you're not even going to be able to hear what he said. After watching the video, this is a direct quote. I can confirm this is actually what was said. Nothing was changed, okay? And that's why it's important. I, I never want to quote people. I want to play the video slash audio so you hear it. And it's not just, well, Clayton said that's what they said. But uh, you guys can go back and listen to it. It's on her Twitter page, at Diana, Diana ESPN is where you can find it. But she asked Mark Murphy uh, about Rodgers and the deadline. And he said, quote, there hasn't been a deadline. The sooner the decision's made, the better. Gutekunst has been in contact with him. Aaron has expressed that he doesn't want to drag it. You're hoping, uh, you're hoping maybe by the start of March, yes, around free agency. So he's saying they expect the decision, um, you know, before free agency starts. It's what we've said all along here on this pod. Ryan's talked about it. I put a uh, a Twitter poll out about it, asking, hey, what do you think is a reasonable time? The large, large, large majority voted. As long as he makes a decision before free agency, they feel like that's fair. That's not, quote, unquote, holding the team hostage like a, a very, uh, you know, minute amount of Packer fans believe he's doing, okay? So, you know, Aaron said the same thing. Like, what's cool is Aaron said, and a lot of people didn't pick up on this because they're trying to grab the hot takes. They're just, you know, ESPN didn't tweet this out, right? These larger companies didn't tweet this out because they they like to cover the juicy stuff, right? Aaron basically said, you know, that that they've been great and there's no deadline. They didn't give me a deadline. They've been great about that. They're giving me space and time to make my decision. So the Packers didn't go to him and say, Aaron, we need to know this by March 15th. We need to know this by February 15th. They didn't do that. Why didn't they do that? You know, a lot of people try to focus on what did he mean when he said that. In a lot of cases, the truth is right there in what they didn't say, right? So why why didn't they force that? To me, what it tells me is they're not stressing. They want Aaron to make the best decision for him, right? If he retires, they feel good about Jordan Love. Guys, that's exciting. That's freaking awesome. Right. Like that. That's what I'm leaning towards more and more every day. And if he does decide to come back, great. But guess what? We got a healthy Aaron Rodgers back, a top five quarterback. I personally believe that you, we can agree to disagree. That's totally cool. If you think that it wasn't the thumb last year, it wasn't the ribs. It wasn't the wide receiver drops, all those things. And he's just this is the beginning of the decline. I respectfully disagree, but I understand where you're coming from. And you may be proven right now. And I'm proven wrong at the end of the season if indeed he does return. Right. And that's totally cool. I'll be the first to say, hey, I was wrong, guys. I thought it was just a thumb, but that's right. That was the cliff. 
and 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 we'll find we'll, you know in due time if he does come back we'll know there's still a chance he can get traded absolutely he's got to make the decision does he want to come back right that you know John Coon was talking about this on his podcast and, and I'm going to touch on it briefly but he kind of said or, or somebody on that pod I have a hard time distinguishing who who is who on that because I haven't listened to that podcast very often uh, or you know very long I should say and a couple of the guys voices sound exactly the same I'm like was that Coon was that the other guy so they made a comment like, you know, maybe the Packers are just kind of lying in the weeds sitting back there waiting for him to make his decision. And if he retires, okay, Aaron, thank you so much, man. It was great because it's obvious Aaron wants to retire a Packer. He's made that very, very clear, right? So if he if he doesn't retire and says, I want to come back, then the Packers may go, okay, man, well, we've decided to move on. So here's here's two or three packages that we've gathered, right? I personally don't think that's the case, but that's definitely possible, and we have to mention that. OK, so that's kind of what I'm expecting there. Um, free ag- free agency being the deadline. You know, uh, let's just jump right into the next section here. It sounds like Rogers is going to do a darkness retreat. Right. However you want to call it. It just ama- it still amazes me that so many people got so upset over this and so many people and Matt Ramage hit on it. Great. And I'm so glad Ryan highlighted Matt Ramage's response. Matt Ramage and I kind of talked about it on his podcast the other night um, when I was a guest uh, there on his YouTube channel. It's like, man. Why, for all the people who have grandstanded on mental health and get help and call this number and and you're you need to understand your worth and take care of yourself and self love and self help and and man you shouldn't be bullying you shouldn't the same people that have screamed that all along which I agree with every bit of that are now making fun of Aaron Rodgers because he's choosing quote unquote uh, isolation therapy. Right. That's that's what I've always known it as. And it amazes me how many people had never heard of it. Now, they say darkness retreat. Right. And he may have even mentioned darkness retreat. You know, isolation therapy, guys, it's a a break from Twitter is isolation therapy. That's that's a form of it. That's what cracks me up. So I I just need to take a break from social media and they come back. Everybody who's ever done that. I've never heard anybody come back and go, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Everybody always says, man, that's exactly what I needed. Right. That's okay. But Aaron going away and locking himself in a in a in a dark place with nothing around, no TV, no lights, uh, no internet, no cell phone, no anything other than just a restroom and food to eat, right? And they can monitor you. And I love how nobody even points out. They make it sound like he's not allowed to come out for four days. And Aaron pointed out two or three times on the McAfee show that at any point you can tap out. At any point you can say, okay, I've had enough and get out, right? So he goes into talking about how it's possible that you hallucinate in that scenario. First of all, you know, one of the things I got into when I was younger is I I love to go around to historical sites and the paranormal has always kind of piqued my interest. I don't believe in it. I have never experienced anything. I think if you experience it, you're you're probably your, your mind changes on that stuff. I can understand why people would think it was weird. But we used to love, you know, as groups, as buddies, we'd get together and go, hey, man, let's go check out this place. They say this place is supposed to be, you know, weird stuff happening there. And and we did that as kids, right? If you put yourself in a dark room, you start to see stuff, right? Whether it's there or not, <laughs> your mind begins to try to form images and things like that, right? So when when you talk about being in there for an extended period of time, you're going to hallucinate that. I, I, I can see how that would be the case. Now, We're going to talk about everything in great detail in just a second. But I just want to run through this because Aaron Rodgers put a tweet out. Aaron Rodgers' tweet response to Mitchell Schwartz. I don't know if you guys seen this or not. 
but we're going to cover it here. And this was this was very interesting to me. Mitchell Schwartz put a tweet out, and he's one of these people too that likes to grandstand, right? Just like anybody who's trying to break into the sports media does. Um, he said, "Weird, the Packers aren't consulting more more with the guy who needs to be on a four day darkness retreat to figure out whether he wants to play football, right?" So he's just taking a shot there. Right, that's Mitchell Schwartz trying to do a little bit of grandstanding and get some people coming. Ha ha, great tweet. Uh, it completely backfired. Right, Aaron Rodgers quote tweeted it, and I love this. He quote tweeted it and said, "Be curious, not judgmental." Of course, that comes from Ted Lasso. If you guys haven't watched Ted Lasso, man, I'm not a soccer fan at all. I don't understand the rules. I've never gotten into it. To me, it comes across as boring. That can be insulting to soccer fans. That's not my goal. Right, um, I can appreciate the the endurance it takes and all of that, and I'm sure if I dug into it, I just don't have the time to learn the game of soccer or, as it's known, worldwide you know, football. Um, it's just something I'm not getting into. But that Ted Lasso show is amazing because almost every episode it comes away with just treating people right, man, being a lot in this ugly world that we've got, right, and 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 kind of leading – you know, leading with with love and appreciation and respecting people and things like that, right? So it's a great show. He gets that quote from there. Be curious, not judgmental. Aaron says, we are all on our own path and doing things like this helps me find a greater sense of peace and love for life. Love and respect to you. That was his response to a guy openly making fun of him. Now, this is what bothers me about Twitter. Rather than Mitchell Schwartz messaging Aaron Rodgers, right? That you've got two ways you can handle this. You disagree with it, right? He could message Aaron Rodgers and say, hey, man, I don't think this is the right way to go. He could be a man – actually, he could be a man and call him or meet him face-to-face and say this, right? But, of course, that's not the goal here with Mitchell Schwartz. He could give two craps about actually doing what's right as a person, as a human being. What he wanted to do was throw something snarky out there to draw a little attention to himself because he knows people hate Aaron Rodgers, and that's going to get him a little bit of attention, Right? So that was him, and then Aaron responds with, be curious, not judgmental. We're all on our own path, and doing things like this helps me find a greater sense of peace and love for life. Peace and love. Uh, love and respect to you. So he basically said, look, man, this, this stuff helps me. You know, you can believe what you want. Sorry that you don't agree with it. This is what helps me, and I got nothing but love and respect for you. Kill them with kindness. I mean, th- they, they bashed him into oblivion. And when I say they, what I notice, obviously you got the fans that absolutely despise Aaron Rodgers. They piled on it. And Ryan did such a good job on on his last podcast talking about um, just how everybody responded to it. I love that pod. I actually messaged him like, dude, I don't want to be a, a, you know, a rear end kisser here. But that, that last pod just like hit home for me. It was perfect. Because who cares what somebody else does? Unless you just want to try to get your name out there and appear snarky like you're a tough guy. You're not a tough guy. You're hanging out on Twitter acting like you would say this stuff to somebody's face knowing damn well you wouldn't, right? So, Mitchell, uh, his tweet, I want to point this out. His tweet got 10.3 million views, guys. He got the attention he wanted, right? He, he, he got his name out there. Probably was trending for a bit. 10.3 million views. Probably wasn't trending, actually, because out of 10.3 million views, it only got 1,925 likes. Boy, I'm not a big, quote-unquote, ratio fan and pointing out the ratio on people, but that's ugly. And if you go to the comments, I was so freaking proud of everybody in those comments standing up to Mitchell Schwartz. Like, you feel better now? So, so if people don't believe the way you believe, then they're just wrong and they're idiots. Like it, I, 
I love it, dude. Love the response. Now, this sparked an exchange in a Discord chat. I'm not going to give the Discord chat, um, you know, the, the specifics of it, but I am going to mention the conversation that we had in here, okay? Because it's important because these are the people that you run into, right? And and I'm just going to get real here for a second because you could probably tell in my voice I'm getting a little bit irritated. I'm getting a little bit angry right now, and this is why I wanted to sleep on it for a few days because this is something that's that's uh, that's hit me personally and my family, personally with my friends. Not only do I have a brother that deals with PTSD, but I've got a good friend I went to school with, two brothers that served in the Marine Corps, and they actually did several dues, uh, several tours of duty in Afghanistan. One was in Iraq for one tour, if I remember correctly, and then went to Afghanistan with his brother. His brother did three tours in Afghanistan, if I remember correctly. I don't want to get the numbers mixed up. but And they both deal with PTSD. The look in their eye now, guys, is different. It's not the kid that I grew up with in middle school and high school, right? They, they have this distance look, this distant look in their eyes from the stuff that they've seen running armored uh, Humvees, right, through the streets of Afghanistan. And, and I try not to get too angry. I try not to get too animated. I try not to get too emotional about it. But to see somebody physically change. That, like their eyes are not the same from the stuff that they had to experience because they put their freaking life on the line to serve our country, right? And then you got some moron that hasn't experienced a damn thing in life, and they want to sit around and pretend like they got all the answers to life, and they want to poke fun at different therapies and different methods and everything. I was first introduced to isolation therapy and this type of approach, the uh, quote-unquote DMT approach, the quote-unquote mushroom approach, however you want to say Everybody just looks at it like, oh, you're just sitting around tripping out, taking crazy drugs, ha, ha, ha. What a bunch of hippies. Guys, there's a lot of stuff about to be proved, proven in the medical industry and about to be approved in the medical industry. That's going to make a lot of these idiots look like the idiots they are. But the fact that somebody is some young kid that acts like they got life figured out and they want to make snarky comments to a grown ass man and pretend like you you've experienced life more than me and watching my brother pick himself off the ground so many freaking times. And what and to see that distant look in my friend's eyes. And you want to act like you've got it all figured out, dude? I'm sorry. You're cut off. You're out of my life. I ain't got time to fool with you. That's the way I see it. There is no gray area. It's it's literally you either care about people or you don't. And if you don't care about people, get the hell out of my life. That's the way I operate. Some would say that's why I've got what I've got to come from, you know, uh, basically born in the house and projects growing up on welfare, and now I've got to the point where my life's stable and I can do pretty much anything I want to do for the most part, right? Because I, I realized a long time ago, if you're not helping me get where I want to go, aka you're not helping other people get where they want to go, I don't need you in my life. Your opinion doesn't even exist to me for that very reason. Because you only care about yourself and you building up your brand and you building up how you feel and you building up you know, your, your uh, ideas and not what's best for society as a whole. So this was the exchange. A couple of people jumped in the chat, more than that, started bashing it, right? And I said, I actually know three different people who were recommended isolation therapy from their doctors. Scrolling through Twitter, it seems that me and Aaron Rodgers are the only two people that knew it existed. And I put a laughing emoji. I'm just kind of being tongue in cheek funny here, like trying to keep it lighthearted. Like, man, there's a lot of people that have never heard of this. Twitter and Facebook, quote unquote, breaks are basically the same thing. Remove all noise, meditate. And I put in parentheses, for me, it's the same thing as praying, seeking God's perspective on a situation rather than the world's. And just reground yourself in the people and things 
that hold closest to your heart. If it were anyone but Aaron Rodgers, this thing would have come and gone quicker than a fart in a fan factory. And I meant that, right? So somebody immediately responds with, what about the astrology workshop he's co-hosting this weekend? The hell said anything about astrology? I thought we were talking about the darkness retweet, retreat. You see how the goalposts get moved? See how the topic gets changed? So someone responded to me and said, I'll just mention, this is Justin, good buddy of mine, Justin. He responded and said, uh, in this response here, not the one before that, is it actually a normal thing where people lock themselves in the dark for almost 100 hours? That seems like insanity to me, LOL. So I responded to the other person and said, you seriously asking if people study astrology? Yes, yeah, since like the third millennium B.C. That response came with a laughing emoji, the big laughing emoji, you know, and it's hilarious to me because it's always the laughing emoji over top of an angry crying face. Like that's how they cover up the fact that, ooh, I don't like the fact that he disagrees with me. And the response was, come on, man. Don't tell me you're about to defend astrology. I responded to Justin and said, absolutely, man, not to the astrology. That They say it's a natural alternative to DMT. There are tons of people that believe DMT unlocks a part of the brain to experience another realm. I think that's far-fetched. I just want to mention that, okay? But that's what they believe. The closest thing that science has found to DMT occurs in near-death experiences where a chemical is naturally triggered in the brain. In total darkness isolation, it causes the brain to react differently. I don't buy into all of this, but simply pointing out that there are a bunch of people who believe it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying everyone needs to go out and lock themselves in a room if they're having mental problems, right? That's silly. Just like it's silly to, for someone else to just say, this is stupid that anyone would consider this, right? It's funny, as Aaron said, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. The doctor that I had an experience with, with my brother, said the same thing. It, and I'll get to that in a minute. We'll talk to, talk about that here in a second. But I want to finish this, this thread here. Um, I said, what do you mean by defend astrology? It's very simple. Yes or no question. Is astrology complete nonsense? You see how that comes across? So let's change the subject from what we just mentioned and the fact that people with PTSD, this is a, a, a form of therapy for them, right? Let's completely change the subject and bring up astrology. And then it's, what do you mean by defend astrology? It's very simple. Yes or no question. Is astrology complete nonsense? What the hell are you talking about? That I, I need to say yes or no. Do I agree with astrology? What do you, how, first of all, how did astrology even get brought up? Oh, that's right. Because Aaron Rodgers is interested in astrology. Got it. Okay. That's how that comes into play with this specific conversation. I said, you're an interesting person. That's for sure. For someone of your age, you sure have life figured out. You might want to take some time to read a people skill book or two. Of course, it could just be everyone else. You know, it, it could be that it's just everybody else that's wrong. And you in your 20s have just figured all of life out. You know, isn't it amazing that someone like Aaron Rodgers at the top of his profession, first of all, was completely doubted, didn't get a Division, a division 1A scholarship, had to go to Butte Community College, worked his way up through the ranks, got into Cal, gets drafted, gets completely disrespected in the draft, drops in the draft, right? Then he gets drafted by the Packers, and he gets death threats, okay? Gets death threats because Brett Favre was the quarterback, and, and some Packer fans, not all, probably a, a very minute amount, didn't want him in Green Bay. So he gets death threats. I'm going to break your legs, all this stuff, like to the point where he was concerned about going out in public at first, living in Green Bay, because of some of the extreme threats he was getting, just because the Packers took a flyer on him. 
because everybody else passed up on him. Worked through his craft, sat on the bench for three years, was a great backup quarterback, was a great backup to Favre, played his role to the to the nth degree. Favre acts like a jackass, gets run out of Green Bay, comes in, starts, wins a Super Bowl for the team, wins multiple MVPs, is arguably the best thrower of the football in the history of the game at the top of his craft, multimillionaire, successful business owner, part owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. He has succeeded at every aspect of life. But a 20-something-year-old, <laughs> this guy's a moron. He needs better friends. Somebody needs to tell him what a moron he's being. Dude, you got some serious ego problems. I don't know how else to say it. Like, to, to think of the amount of ego it would take for someone to think they understand life and success and the game of football more than someone who's at the top of the craft. That's a different level of ego for me, man. It is. So, yeah, that was pretty much it. Justin responded and said, damn, damn, man, that's wild. I guess I never had any idea. Definitely not something my anxiety would ever allow me to do. Laughing emoji. But, man, I guess if it works for him, by all means, has to take a special kind of person to be able to handle that. That's a long time in the dark. I said, yeah, I'd tap out real quick. There's no way I can make it. My reaction was like Pat's. F that. He said, I don't think I'd make it even more. I, I said, he said, I don't even think I would make it um, more than maybe one hour. And I completely agree. Right. So then what happens? Lo and behold, Pat McAfee has a guest on the show, right? And this guest is a Vietnam veteran, if I understood correctly. And I'm going to read the quote that Pat said, and I'm going to play the uh, audio here for you. I want you guys to hear this veteran talk, okay? And I tweeted out, let me guess, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. He doesn't even realize that it wasn't right for him. I mean, it wasn't even the right treatment for him. But old buddy living in his mom's basement does because mainstream told him so. And Pat McAfee's tweet is what I quote tweeted. And he said, is a quote from this guy, Dr. Bob Parsons, who's helping a ton of people with PTSD. He said, when I got home from the war, I had PTSD and was a completely different guy. In 2018, I did psychedelics for four days and I finally came home from the war after 48 years. So I'm going to play this for you real quick and just hear how he wraps up. Me so nice. Uh, uh, he, he says he's, he compliments you. He, uh, he he doesn't lose his temper. On and on and on. And uh, it had been at that time. It had been forty-eight years for me since the war, and I finally came home. Hey! Jeez. Wow! Hell yeah! Let's go! It's unbelievable! Yeah. Hell yeah, Bob! And what you're saying is a big deal. Because of who you are in society, people are going to listen to that because you've had success. Everybody wants to have success. Here's a man that's had it. And that is something I think over the last couple of years has been viewed much differently than maybe it would have been 10 years ago for what you just said. And I hope it becomes a more easily accessible thing for our military with PTSD. In, uh, well, we're very close to having MDM. Are you in that? Are approved, you in that process? Approved, yeah, yeah. I, I, we probably donated... 12, 15 million dollars to help get this stuff done. This guy's donated 12 to 15 million dollars is what he's helped raise to get this stuff done to help troops like him. Who it, it literally took 48 years before he was over his PTSD. And they're finding a treatment for some people, not all, cer certain people. 12 to 15 million dollars he's raised for these troops. But some idiot in his 20s thinks he understands, you know, life more than him. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, I, I, I don't invest in it. 
And I, I, I really have a lot of respect for the people to do. But the reason I don't invest in it is first, I don't need the money. And second, uh, since I'm like a poster boy for PTSD and that sort of thing, I feel as though if I don't invest in it, it gives me more credibility. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah your story is worth more than any. Love that. You know what he said? It hit the nail on the head. And it's, it's one of the things I one of the issues I have with some people who, who donate to certain things is like if he doesn't invest in it, therefore, he's not reaping any benefits, any return on the investment. Then they can't say, well, he's just doing it for money. That's the only reason he's doing it. He's involved to help people, period. Okay. And I don't know everything about him. He could end up being someone who's a complete scam artist. I don't know him personally. I, I personally don't believe that. I mean, he seemed like a genuine guy. And anyone who served our country, I'm sorry, they've done more than me for our country. Then I'm going to sit down, shut up, and listen to what they got to say, unlike some people. So I thought that was really cool. Now, what's crazy is that tweet I just read for you guys that I put out, it was somewhat sarcastic. I got, I got several messages from people, most of which were like, dude, thank you so much for sticking up for that. Thank you for speaking out on this on Twitter, okay? Because a lot of people, the easy thing to do, the popular thing to do is to pile on Aaron Rodgers, get some extra likes, get that little dopamine drip, just like Ryan pointed out, which if you guys don't believe that, you're living in the freaking dark, no pun intended. You need to look at that and and how how it affects people on social media and how they thrive for those likes and that little that little bit of adrenaline, that little bit of a rush you get when someone agrees with you, right? Um, I love that Ryan brought that up, but anyway. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I get flooded with DMs, people saying, hey, thanks for, thanks for saying what you said, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then a couple of them, mistook my tweet like out of context. And I asked uh, this person here if it was okay if I shared our exchange. And he said, absolutely. This is Sam on Twitter. Um, I won't give the entire Twitter, but I don't want to screw up his name either. I, I think it's Sam Bariner is how you say his name. And uh, he responded to it and said, hey, man, I'm not going to put you on blast in the open. Um, I'm not like that. First of all, mad respect. If he came in here and completely disagreed with me, that's how you handle it. Just like Mitchell Schwartz, right? If this guy had just quote tweeted me, I probably wouldn't even have responded to him because it just means he's just trying to – all he's doing is trying to call me out in front of everybody, and he doesn't really care about getting to understand my viewpoint. So why do I even need him block him, right? Let's just move on. Just remove it from your life. Now, he messaged me in a private message. I'm not going to put you on blast in the open. I'm not like that. But, man, that's not a good look. As a veteran myself, it takes a lot to even get that out for him to say that, especially Vietnam vets. They, were through, they went through so much. And when they got home, got spit on and everything else. They had no support after the war. Veterans with PTSD at the time were thrown to the curb and had to fight their demons themselves. 
to say he finally came home, that was genuine. Things like shrooms and what he was talking, what he was taking has been working across the boards for veterans with PTSD. Hmm. This is coming from someone who's lived the life, guys. And he's saying that he's seen it across the board that it's actually having a positive effect. And it's statistically working to help their PTSD. So to bash and say like he doesn't know what he's doing and he's living in his mom's basement is just like, come on, man, have some respect. You know what I mean. I don't mean any disrespect to you either. Love the page. And I follow this. Uh, I follow it. This was just something that didn't sit right with me. So obviously he mistook my tweet, which is totally understandable. I got to get better about using sarcasm on Twitter. I, I really need to fix that. I do. So I responded and said, no, Sam, not at all, man. I was being sarcastic, bro. I was saying, let me guess, the guy that doesn't, this guy doesn't know either, does he? I tweeted that because so many people were making fun of psychedelics, saying they saying there are treatments. I personally know three people who microdose, and it's helped them tremendously. He said, oh, man, I totally, I totally apologize, then. I just read it wrong. Man, my fault. Didn't mean to come at you sideways like that. And, of course, I came back and said, there's nothing to apologize about, man. I, it's my fault for the sarcasm that I implemented. He just misread the tweet. But I read that tweet because here's someone else talking about they're they're going through this. They know people personally that are going through this and it's working. But this idiot in the discord chat who's in his 20s, who thinks he understands life, he would probably read this and go, oh, what an idiot. He, he's just being tricked, too. So he said, I totally understand what you mean. I misinterpreted it and I see your point. And absolutely, I didn't want uh, to put you on blast for everyone for this exact reason in case I was uh, wrong, which I was. You handled that very professionally as well, talking about the DM, which I have a huge amount of respect for. Thank you. Keep us uh, the good content through on those coming through on those Packers. I said thank you for taking time to reach out to me. Have a great day. And, of course, I thank them for his service. So I wanted to point that exchange out because, again, that's coming from someone I've not personally met, and they thought I was making fun of the guy when, in, in, in fact, I was actually supporting the guy. And I, I think that makes it even more genuine to see that we were willing to even have a conversation about it. I have mad respect for Sam because he thought I was personally making fun of a fellow soldier, and he comes at me. And he does it in a way like, look, dude, I didn't want to put this out in the public, but I want to talk to you man to man about it. <laughs> Mad respect for Sam. There's a mis miscommunication there, like I said, sarcasm on my part. Uh, that kind of uh, didn't didn't uh, get the point across that I was trying to make. But in the end, I think this carries more weight than anything to see exactly what I was talking about, about how this is a treatment that actually works, right? There was another message I was going to read. I didn't ask the person for permission, so I'm not even going to read it. Um but uh, I want to say this. My brother deals with PTSD, right? And he's been dealing with alcoholism. He's 57 years old. I'm 40. He's you know 17 years older than me. He's more of a father figure to me than anything. He went off to the war uh, to Desert Storm in the 90s when I was just a kid. And then when he got out, we spent a lot of time together doing some mechanical stuff, working on dirt bikes. We rode a lot of dirt bikes back home in the mountains of eastern Kentucky. He moved to Knoxville. I followed him to Knoxville to get out of our home life because it was a crazy childhood, right? And uh, I just wanted to get away from the town we were in to get uh, a good, clean start as a 17-year-old kid just graduating high school, graduating early, and just wanting to get out and go, okay, man, what, what's this crazy freaking life about, right? And and we came to be kind of a father-son more than a brother-brother, if that makes sense. But he deals with uh, PTSD. So we had to have some treatment for him at the VA hospital. First of all, my brother, if you asked him, do you suffer from PTSD from the Army? He says no. 
He doesn't believe he has PTSD. So I want you to understand that the angle I'm coming from, it's not from one of he's a victim. He doesn't see himself like, oh, what do I have to deal with this? Not that those guys do, but if they do, hey, more, you know, I have respect for them too, man. They, they're dealing with something I've never had to deal with. So we go to the VA and we start uncovering all these problems. We put them into a program to try to get them, you know, some answers and uh, had to take like three months off from work. Luckily, he's got a, a good job, a good union job that that he landed coming out of the military with military perks coming out, serving in the war and all that stuff. Um we find out that his PTSD is from childhood, right? Not the military. And the way it was uncovered, he wanted me in the room with him because he didn't want to go through this stuff alone. And we seen everything get uncovered together. And that's why this hits home with me. Now, why do I mention that? Because when we went to leave, the VA doctor said, I'm not allowed to do this on VA grounds, but I want to give you a call later today when I'm off the clock. And we're like, what the heck's this about? Guess what that call was about? You guessed it. Alternate methods. Why? This was three years ago, roughly three, maybe four years ago when this happened. Because the mainstream pharmaceutical industry, they don't want this to be uncovered. They don't want this to be a, a possible treatment. Why, guys? Why? Because there's not money to be made in it. Period. Case closed. There's... I don't want to get into all the details. I don't, because that's not what this podcast is about. But since we wanted to go down this route, right, through Aaron Rodgers and all this, everybody making fun of him and making fun of mental health and all that, I thought, you know what, let's just uncover it on an episode. And if they don't like it, then move on to the next episode. And and I mean that, not in a, not in a uh, rude way, not in a disrespectful way. Again, at the, at, the, at the start of this podcast, I said, look, Fast forward to the end. That's when we'll talk about the cornerback stuff. Hopefully we got time here. Might have went a little longer than I wanted. No, we got time for sure. I had to get that off my chest because, first of all, the reaction on Twitter, man, I was so fired up to see the people comment on Mitchell Schwartz's tweet. Like, kudos to you guys. If you're hearing my, if you're hearing my voice right now and you're one of those people that stood up and was like, man, why don't you shut up and mind your own business? Who cares what somebody else does for their own mental health if it doesn't hurt anybody else, right? So it hit, it hits home for me because my brother and then obviously the friends I've had that are dealing with PTSD. That's why in the past I've taken a few seconds to honor troops and mention it on a Memorial Day, on a Veterans Day. Hey, man, we appreciate everything you guys do out there battling what you're battling. People, especially the soldiers from Vietnam, man. They, I mean, they got the worst. They got the worst of it. And Sam pointed it out beautifully there. Man, they, they went and put their body on the line, their life on the line, right? And then they make it out alive after so many friends didn't make it out. I had an uncle that had PTSD that uh, served in, in Vietnam. He was banished to a desk job for physical reasons, and he dealt with depression because he had so many people. Like, he wasn't put out there to fight on the front line, and he had so much guilt he dealt with till the day he died. I say PTSD. I don't even know if that's a proper term for it, but – he dealt with depression because he felt guilty because he had so many friends that died on the front line and he was, you know, tucked away at a desk job because of physical reasons. And, um, yeah, he lived with it till the day he died. So Sam, I want to say this, man, Yeah, if you guys, you want a good follow, I mean, it takes this guy, I learned everything I needed to learn about Sam. The fact that rather than blast me out in the open, not understanding that I was actually supporting and to, to DM me like he did, 
man, that says so much about you, dude. I, I got so much respect for you. But if you guys want to follow him, it's at B-A-R-R-O-N-E-R Sam, S-A-M. The capital B for Barriner and then capital S for Sam. Um, good dude. Really appreciate you taking the time to reach out, man. That meant a lot to me. And, yeah, so we're going to move on. Again, I just want to get that out there because I let it sit for a couple of days. And this podcast is never going to be about just going with the flow of the masses. And, and oh, okay, it's the cool thing now to grandstand on this and make fun of those people. No, nah, dude, if you don't genuinely care about people, then I don't need you in my life, right? And uh, I think if everybody looked at it that way, they would, they'd be a lot happier and be a lot more willing to, to help other people along the way. But let's talk some football. Let's talk some corners, all right? We've talked about different positions along the way with the Packers. It's hard to make this transition, but we're going to make it because I got – man, that's that's emotional for me. It really hits home. So, cornerback position. We've already talked about several different positions. We kind of went through the entire roster. I don't think there's going to be anything hit on safety. I talked about with middle linebacker, there's not much there. You can maneuver a little bit, but not much at all. That's kind of set. We need to pick up another linebacker, whether it's very cheap free agent, whether it's later in the draft, whether it's an undrafted free agent, somebody to kind of round out that four-man room. They may already have somebody that's been on the practice squad in the past that's got in mind to, to round that out. But, again, we're talking about – what do the rooms look like? Is there uh, an actual need there for the draft slash free agency? And um, when it comes to restructures, that's what we're getting down to is where are we going to free up this money for the cap, right? So let's go to the cornerback room. Let's talk about the cap hits and the PFF grades, okay? Cornerback room, as it sits right now, there's seven in the room. You've got Jair Alexander, Russell Douglas, Eric Stokes, Shamar Jean Charles, Enos Gaines, um, Keandre Thomas, and Benji Franklin. All right, so let's start with J Jair Alexander. Obviously, being the best of, of the seven there. Jair Alexander's PFF grade was 80.3 last year, guys. His cap hit 2023 is 20.2 million, okay? You guys know I was critical of Jair at times last year. If he hadn't blown those coverages, he would have probably finished with another elite grade this year. I'm feeling a lot better about Jair Alexander. Like this, you know, some people are going, duh, you idiot. <laughs> it's Jair Alexander. He's like one of the best, one of if not the best corners in the entire in the entire National Football League, right? Um, for me, I was a little down at times last year because he was playing inconsistent, and I didn't see it as a scheme thing and as a blown coverage. But for him to rebound to an eighty point three man, that gives me a lot of hope. And again, the cap hit twenty point two million. I think he's the highest paid corner in the game in certain metric. It might be cash, um, you know, cash made. It might be uh, you know cap hit. I didn't take the time to look across the entire landscape of the league. But at number two, Russell Douglas, he graded out a 71.1. I'm a Russell Douglas fan. 7.7 .7 million against the cap, guys. That is less than half of Jair Alexander's cap hit. And to finish 71.1, he's the clear number two corner, right? At number three, Eric Stokes, 3.2 million. Guys, his PFF grade before the injury, and he, I think he had over 400 snaps. So this isn't a terribly small snap count either. 53.7, he regressed. And you've seen it on tape. You've seen it in man coverage, these deep balls. He didn't get his head around. It's just like he he's not to the level that I expected slash wanted him to be, right? So that's one that looking at like, oh, man, I don't know, dude. What do we really have there, right? First round pick at corner, 2023. Um, it's year three or four, so we, we got him under contract again next year. So there's no decision to be made this year. Um, I don't like the idea of picking up the fifth-year option on him unless, of course, he absolutely blows up and dominates in 2023. We do have someone with experience, right? Um, but for whatever reason, 53.7, that's kind of the that's the 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 big thing that jumps out to me. So at 3.2 million. Shamar Jean Charles, 1 million flat, 62.2 PFF grade. 
This is the guy that I keep mentioning had a high PFF grade in college, right? And I think Shamar Jean Charles could probably play at the NFL level. He's one that I'm like, man, I would really like to see him get more snaps, right? So when we come out with a healthy cornerback room next year, it's going to be Jair Alexander, Russell Douglas, and Eric Stokes, right? I want Russell Douglas on the boundary. So where does that leave Eric Stokes, you know, to play boundary slash slot? I don't, I don't like him at slot either, right? I'd like to see Shamar Jean Charles get some more snaps. Maybe they move Shamar Jean Charles to safety. You know, you guys have heard us talk about the safety position and how really the only thing we have returning right now is Darnell Savage. We're hoping they re-sign Rudy Ford, right, to a, a team-friendly deal if we let him test free agency. So do you move Shamar Jean Charles to safety? Do you guys remember in camp last year, Rasul Douglas played safety a little bit, right? And there was hints at, like, maybe he'll be a safety. Maybe that's the route they go. I don't know. Um, I'm not saying that either of those are the answer. I'm not saying it's not. It's just – Things that are worth noting, worth mentioning, right? So Enos Gaines, 870K. His PFF grade was 49.7. That's brutal. Um, Keandre Thomas, 870K. Didn't have a PFF grade to the best of my knowledge. Probably not not any snaps at all. Benji Franklin, 750K. Um, no PFF grade. So those two are kind of fillers, right? So essentially you've got the foundation in place, meaning you've got enough corners in the room to fill the roster. You've got seven corners, meaning you could probably slide one to safety, and now you've got two safeties on the roster, but still safety is a glaring need, right? So when it comes to the cornerback position, that's how it lays out. You've got your two solid starters in Jair Alexander and Russell Douglas. The question is still out on Eric Stokes and Shamar Jean Charles. Those two right there I feel like should be battling for that number three spot. Maybe they do move Jair Alexander into the slot a little bit. You know, when he blew coverages last year, I'm just going to mention this. I'm not going to suggest that that Jair Alexander should play slot. I'm not. I don't think you should hem anybody up like that. But there was times where they said, if I remember correctly, Jair and Russell wouldn't know who they were going to cover until right before the snap where they would make the decision from a play-to-play -play basis. I believe Joe Barry said that. I could be wrong. But someone made the comment that they let the coaches decide where those two players play. Or the coaches let the players decide where they play. Meaning, hey – if you want to take the boundary over here on the X, if you want to take the boundary on the Z, if you want to play slot, however you want to do it, you guys decide. But here's the play call, right? They give them a lot of freedom, a lot of a lot of room to run there. So if that's the case, maybe you see Jair Alexander playing slot and Eric Stokes on the boundary. I don't feel like that worked last year. I don't. Um, I want to see Jair Alexander and Rasul on the boundary, and let's let Eric Stokes and Shamar Jean Charles, as it sits right now, compete for that third corner spot. Now, he – or uh, – Keyshawn Nixon said he wanted to play that star position, right, that slot corner position. So if they do re-sign him, they bring him back with Rich Passaccia most likely coming back. There's a good chance that we can re-sign Keyshawn Nixon. Keyshawn Nixon recently uh, hired a new agent, which kind of suggests that uh, – I think it was uh, Dandy that he hired um, – kind of suggests he really wants to hit the market, the open market hard. And there's going to be some money there, right? But as arguably the best kick returner in the game – Packers need to pony up that money. They need to match the offer. As you guys know, that's a top-tier player for me as far as our current players that are set to hit free agency. Keisha and Rudy Ford are top-tier free agents for me. They really are, along with Mason Crosby and I believe Randall Cobb if Aaron is coming back because Randall Cobb graded out as the second-best receiver on the entire roster last year. So that's kind of how that sits with the cornerback room. Let's talk about Jair Alexander's contract, and we're going to get out of here. Okay. With Jair Alexander's contract, he is in year three. I'm sorry, he is in 
technically, when you look at the contract that Spotrack has listed, it's a one, two, three, four, five, five-year contract, and he's in year two of five. What's that mean? He's got four years left. Let's just focus on what's remaining here, okay? So he's got four years left on the contract. He's under contract through 2026, which will be 29 years old. Bang, the Packers have done it again. Before they hit the 30-year-old mark, you, you've got them under contract, right, in their quote-unquote prime. His cap hit this year is $20.2 million, okay? $20.2 million this year, and it only jumps to $22 million next year, okay? So it's only like a less than a $2 million increase from 2023 to 2024. That's good news. In 2025, it jumps to 23.5. In 2026, it jumps to 25.5. There's no, wow, it really jumps up here, kind of like how Aaron Jones's did here for the third year of his extension, right, or his contract. They signed him as a free agent there when they let him test the market. So with that being said, what restructure capabilities do we have in 2023? Okay, let's look at that. Obviously, the dead cap, it's not even worth mentioning. In 2023, if you cut him, you got a $24 million dead cap. What's that mean? If you were to cut Jair Alexander, there's no reason they would. I'm not saying they would, but if so, it's important to mention that you would still eat nearly $4 million in cap, $3.8 million in cap, dead cap, that you would have to pay for him to not be on the roster. Okay, so he's on the roster. We all know that. Now, in 2023, his base salary is $1.4 million. Not much room there, right? Right. Roster bonus, $12 million. So you've got $12 million in roster bonus, $1.4 million in base salary. You combine those two, what do you got? you got roughly $13.5 million of potential restructure for 2023. What do I mean by that? We always got to mention it. You can convert roster bonus and base salary to signing bonus. They get the money up front. Then you can sped, spread that money out over the extent the extended life of the contract, okay? So you could take that money, convert it, and move it into 2024, 2025, and 2026. That way it spreads it out evenly, and you don't even have to push it any further into the future. Another option as well, though, at that $13.5 million, is to push it into 2027, 2028. Why do I mention that? You could tack on two voidable years on the very back side of this contract, and we don't even have to deal with this until 2027 and 2028. Now, there's some that are going, I don't want to do that. I understand that sentiment. I got you. It's, it's not the ideal situation. But the fact that you can do that so far out, and guys, if you take, let's say you take the $13.5 million, and we've done this very conservatively, right? I'm not suggesting that we do the full $13.5 million. I don't even think you possibly can. It would probably be closer to $11 or $12 million. But let's take half of it. And let's say we just converted $6 million, okay? And we've done this with every position. Understand that these are sensible restructures. Never at any point have I said, you need to do the maximum restructure for this guy. It's it's typically half of what we have capable of you know, we're capable of restructuring, right? So when you take half of that money, and it's six million dollars, let's say you tack on two voidable years on 2027 and 2028, and you split it up, it's three million against the cap in 2027, which will be chump change by the time we get to 2027. Who knows what the salary cap will be? Um, and 2028, three million there. You don't even you don't even absorb this restructure, guys in the next four years, and you free up $6 million. That's how you're going to get under on the cap. This restructure here, the fact that Jair Alexander is going to be on the roster for the next four years makes more sense than any other restructure I've looked at. With that being said, maybe you get a little more aggressive and you and you aim for $10 million restructure, right? And with $10 million, you tack on two voidable years. Let's say of $10 million and you do over four years, that's what, uh, 
I think it's two, what would that be? $2.25 million, two and a quarter, right? Over four years, tack on two voidable years, put the two, uh, put roughly two million on 2025, two million on 2026, two million on 2027, two million on 2028, and bang, you freed up $10 million and you're absorbing the hit in 2025, 26, 27, 28, and it's a minute amount, even less than what we just said by doing two voidable years and it being $3 million. So, Jair Alexander's contract extension, why do I, why am I so emphatic about this? and saying this one makes the most sense. This is exactly the situation with Jordan Love. What do I mean? Rather than pick up the fifth-year option, which I think it's a 50-50 chance that the Packers either pick up the fifth-year option or just extend him. I think they think he's the quarterback of the future, and I hope, I hope, pray to sweet baby Jesus, they're correct. If you do Jordan Love a contract extension rather than a fifth-year option, this is what it's going to look like. You guys know I looked at the market value for Jordan Love and they compare, I compared it to Jimmy G. Nobody's suggesting that Jordan Love is a better quarterback than Jimmy G right now, right? Nobody would take that bait. I put it out there. Nobody took it. So he may be. I hope he is. But there's nothing to suggest that right now. That's why the Packers have the upper hand. Why not give Jordan Love a four-year extension averaging anywhere from 17 to $22 million per, right? That's right in this with Jair Alexander. What's his cap hit this year? 20 million. What is it next year? 22. Why do I mention that? Because the contract's going to be very similar to Jair Alexander's, and you're going to have just as much flexibility and maneuverability as you go forward. Meaning, Jordan Love's contract does not become a burden. It becomes a tool where we can do restructures to free up salary cap in the future. That's looking on the positive side of the thing, rather than doom and gloom and putting a huge stamp on something that says void in red. We all know that it's been scientifically proven that when you see the color red in our mind, it triggers stop. That's why stop signs are red. It triggers warning. That's why warning signs are red. Because it's been proven that the color red triggers that in our minds as human beings. Big old void stamp on a tweet. Pow! Packers have 16 million avoidable if they want to keep these players on the roster. Or even if they're not on the roster. Doom and gloom. Doom and gloom. Scare tactics. That's all it is. That's why I want Jordan Love to be extended, and this Jair Alexander contract is perfect. There's so much flexibility here, and it's why you want to stay away from the fifth-year option. It's why you want to extend the players that you know are going to be in your foreseeable future because it gives you room to move around. Let's talk about the most sensible restructures so far that we've covered. We're going to get you guys out of here. So, so far, what we have covered, you've got Bakhtiari freeing up $10 million, half of what we're capable of doing, a little more than half with Bakht. Aaron Jones, $8 million, a little more than half than what we're capable. Kenny Clark, $7 million, half of what we're capable. Preston Smith, $5 million, and Jair Alexander, $6 million. So now with those simple restructures across those players, Bach, you went on your roster. He was the second best left tackle in the game last year. Aaron Jones, you went on the roster. He was the best offensive player on your, on your roster last year. Kenny Clark's the tough one for me, but if you cut him, the money you free up isn't worth leaving that void in the middle. I think you hold on to him. If there's one of these players I don't like restructuring, it's Kenny Clark. But it's possible to free up $7 million there. Preston Smith, it's more than possible. It's Actually, you can get a lot more than that, but I'm keeping the numbers very conservative. Preston Smith, $5 million. I think that makes a lot of sense to be able to do that. Jair Alexander makes more sense than any of them at $6 million. That's a total of $36 million that we can free up in the cap. Now, we're roughly $17 million over the cap the last I checked, right? So what does that mean? If you do those simple restructures of those five players, 
It does not hem you up down the road. It's not going to come due later to the point where the Packers can't field a roster just like four years ago when they were screaming this was Zadarius Smith, three years ago, whenever it was. It, it didn't. It doesn't hem us up now. There's plenty of maneuverability, plenty of flexibility. Russ Ball and uh, and Brian Gutekunst have done a great job. Oh, it's hilarious, too, that certain people who have n- never worked in a front office claim that Russ Ball is an idiot at what he does. That cracks me up. That's a story for another day, for another pod. But $36 million can be freed up. For roughly $17 million over, you do the math, we're now $19 million in the good that we can spend in free agency. Now, where's the doom and gloom? We haven't, we haven't covered the safety position because there's – what's funny with the safety position, if they tagged Darnell Savage with that fifth-year option, right, like they did, I think he's $8 million against the cap, they can trade him and that contract can carry, right? If that contract carries, you could even make a, uh, an agreement and, and cover some of that contract, right? But let's say you trade him to a team and you tell them, look, man, we just want the contract off the books. Remember how we talked about when a free agent becomes available, somebody hits a trade market, the first thing the front office does is go back to their original draft board and what draft grade did they have on that player before another team got a hold of them, right? So if somebody had a first-round talent on Darnell Savage – and you put him on the market. And I'm su- I'm not suggesting the Packers are going to do this. As it sits right now, he's planning to be on the roster as a start as a starting safety for the Packers at eight million dollars, roughly seven or eight million dollars, whatever the, the the hit was for the fifth year option for the safety position. But let's say another team had a first round talent on him, and you go to him and say, Hey man, would you give us a fourth round pick for him? They may jump at it and go, Oh my God, he was our top safety in the draft that year. Yeah, we'll give you a fourth round pick. Bang, the $8 million travels with him, and guess what? You just freed up another $8 million. I'm not suggesting that's what the Packers are going to do, but that's how that transaction would you know, come about. So it's worth noting that. Let's say they did that, and you did these restructures with the $36 million. Guess what you got? $44 million now. Take away the 17, and what do you got? You got roughly $24 million to spend in free agency. Now you key in on that starting safety. Now maybe you say, let's go get another defensive tackle, spend pretty good money on him, because if we plan on cutting Kenny loose next year, that cap hit drops off the roster. You've got your starting D tackle in place. That's a tier two position that we've now filled that void. If you feel safety and D tackle, you've already got Devondre Campbell in place in the middle linebacker position. Maybe you key in on center. Right, we talked about center on offense. Maybe you key in on tight end, whatever it is. These are these are ways that we're going to free up cap room to be able to hit free agency. So that's it. That's what I wanted to cover with the cornerback room. Um, I like the cornerback room we got. Eric Stokes is a big question mark for me. I want Shamar Jean Charles to get a little more playing time and see what we got there. His PFF grade, I think, was in the 80s in college, guys. And the fact that he hasn't cracked into the lineup, it kind of feels like Devontae White. I'm not trying to suggest that Shamar Jean Charles is as talented as Devontae White. Devontae Wyatt was obviously a first-round pick for a reason. But I'd like to see what Shamar Jean Charles could do in game time, right? So maybe we see a little bit more of him. we got to make a decision on Eric Stokes. That's one that could potentially be traded if he doesn't continue to develop. Guys, he may come out this year, just like I said about Savage last year. I was hoping Savage would. Unfortunately, he didn't. But Eric Stokes may come out next year and just absolutely blow up. I hope he does. Because if he does, the cap hits so minimal for Russell Douglas, we've got the room to extend Eric Stokes if indeed he takes that step forward. So that's kind of how the cornerback room lays out to me. 
That being said, we're going to get out of here, man. Appreciate you guys taking the time to hang out with us again. Hopefully, I put enough of a disclaimer at the front side of this episode to let you guys know we were going to talk about mental health a bit. I let it sit for a couple of days. Uh, let it sit on my heart. Wanted to touch on it. Um, I'm sure I'll get plenty of feedback that says people love this. I'll probably get some feedback that said they hated it. But again, I told you at the front of the episode, man, if you don't want to listen to it, I completely understand. Fast forward ahead, we'll cover the cornerback position, some salary cap talk. And um, I'm about to head out of town. Here's the goal. I would like to get another pod out um, tonight. That way it's sitting for you guys for Sunday because I got to fly out early in the morning at about 6 a.m. And uh, everything goes correct. Uh, we will be in the Caribbean tomorrow around 2 p.m. Um, when we get to the Caribbean, my goal is to be set up to join Matt Ramage and Ryan uh, for a Super Bowl uh, live stream from the cabin of a cruise liner. So if the Internet's good enough, I'm going to do pods this week. OK, there's some that are going, dude, go enjoy vacation. You ain't got to put a pod out. I really want to keep this momentum going because we've been very consistent and we've gotten great feedback. And if it's one person out there that looks forward to the pod every day, then I don't want to let them down. I'm hoping I can do that this coming week. We're going to be in the Caribbean for about seven days. So I'm hoping I can get a pot out while we're down. If I don't, guys, please forgive me, but we're going to we're gonna do our best. It all depends on how good is the Wi-Fi on that ship. Um, I'm told it is more than sufficient because I was going to try to bring a hotspot or something. Um, they said it's more than sufficient to do any kind of live streaming you want to do. So if that's the case, um, you may get a nice little ocean view. We got a we got an ocean view balcony on the cruise liner, so you might get a little bit of that in the background. Hopefully, there's not too much background noise, but we'll try to give you guys some cool stuff. Uh, I do know that we're watching the Super Bowl tomorrow night. Top deck of the cruise liner, huge big screen TV poolside. That'll be really cool. So I'm hoping that I can kind of check in with with Matt and Ryan and uh and just chime in if they do the live stream. Here's the thing: if you guys want that live stream, harass the heck out of them. Try to get them to do it. That's how you get things done, right? Show them that you want to see it. And I know that I'll have their live stream pulled up on my phone with an earpiece in watching the game if indeed they do one. I just don't know if I'll be live the entire time because the noise on the deck side will be a little little too much, and I definitely don't want to cut into their stream. So with that being said, we're going to get out of here, guys. Really appreciate your time. Uh, I want to thank Ryan for the pot he put out, man. That really hit home for me for someone who's dealt with that stuff. Um Again, uh, I, d- I don't claim to, to to suffer from any kind of mental illness. Um, you know, there's been doctors that told me I need to look into it. Same reasons my brother, uh, childhood PTSD type thing. But, man, when I see what these soldiers go through, it, it makes me kind of stand up a little taller. Like, you know what, dude, I can deal with the stuff that I've had to deal with. They th- What they went through is a thousand times worse than anything I ever experienced. So um, people like Sam messaging, man, you know, there's strength in numbers, dude. That's, that's what it comes down to. Nobody cares what you know till they know that you care. And there's somebody out, out there right now struggling with mental health, and all they need is someone to encourage them, someone to let, for someone to let them know that they care. That's it. So when other people try to be insensitive about it and think they've got life figured out, hey, I'm coming at you with both barrels, man. I am. I'm, I'm coming at you. 110 mile an hour, I'm going to point out the hypocrisy and I'm going to say, no, it's not right to downgrade that person, to put them down because you haven't experienced what they went through, period, case closed. So love you guys. Really appreciate your time. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go, Pat, go. On the fake, Rodgers lets it fly. Has Watson. He's got it on his feet and he's in for the touchdown. That might be the biggest catch of this young receiver.
receiver's career from Christian Watson. You can see him, it's just press man. They talk about his speed, his ability to get behind the defense. It's just a matter of can he catch it. That's a great job tracking the ball. He just took a big sigh of relief. Look at his buddies greeting him on the sideline, man. That's got to feel good.